I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hey, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate. This is Mike. Today's episode is, I think, one of the most important we've ever recorded for myself. I'll just share for myself. We have Patricia Moreno on, and she sent me an email a couple weeks ago that I read right at the beginning of the podcast, which made both Patricia and I cry, even though she had already written the email. It made her cry again. She and I have that in common. We cry all the time. But it's really this episode peels back the curtain on the illusion that our culture sells us about being thin and how fat phobic we truly are. And I felt like this episode was such a huge awareness shifting conversation for me where I realized the degree to which fat phobia is ingrained in me and how much of my life it is dictated. And honestly, in the days since we recorded this, I've been having a completely new relationship with my body that I didn't know was ever possible. So that's awesome. No, I agree with you on the fact that this is, it's an amazing episode. I think it's a great direction for the future of how we can change the way we are looking at ourselves, looking, you know, it's like building businesses as we're bringing things to the world, different directions. Yeah. And I shared a lot of my journey with my own body stuff and I know you shared yours and Trisha was sharing hers and she, this is, just listen, like it's really powerful. If you're driving, you might have to stop, like pull over to the side of the road. Like, you know, it's it's intense and it might trigger some things that go on inside of each one of us. And but I think it's a good thing. So who is Patricia Moreno? Um, She has been training, mentoring and educating people all over the world for over 30 years in an effort to end her own struggle with her weight, eating disorders and body image issues. She created the Intensati Method, a life transforming workout, which combines Finds her expertise in fitness and dance and martial arts, yoga, nutrition, meditation, spiritual practices. Encouraged by her own transformation and the life-changing stories of her students, she has gone on to create several other workouts, courses, workshops, including Yoga Sati, Warrior Sati, Core Sati, Dance Sati, Intense Sati, Leadership Training. She's committed to being a powerful force of positive change in the world and continues to find revolutionary ways to uplift her students, help them to change inside and out. She believes that through conscious, intentional living, a commitment to excellence and the power of love, every person is able to live filled with peace, happiness and joy. I mean, she has been on the workout scene for a very long time in the fitness world. She used to work for equinox in new york and she was one of their stars she was one of the stars been on covers of magazines etc she talks about her journey that she has gone through as well i took an insentati intensati class she spoke at a live event we hosted back in 2014 and it was pretty it was cool i really liked it i really enjoyed it so I became an Intensati certified. Um, of course you did. Leader. That's how I, well, I met Patricia just because I worked out at the gym where she taught and I loved her class. And then 
of course, took the teacher training because I love doing that. And I've known Patricia for years since before she had her three beautiful daughters, you know, when she was struggling to get pregnant with her amazing wife, Kellen. So anyway, Patricia's incredible. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I was so honored that she reached out to us to have this conversation. And um, I'm really interested in what you think as well. So when you see it posted on my Instagram, please, please let me know what your thoughts are and how it impacted you. Enjoy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Kate and Mike show. Hello, Patricia. Hi, you guys. So happy to be here. So like a week ago, or let's say maybe two weeks ago, I got this email from you and it said in the subject line, hi, Kate, I'd love to find a time to discuss. So I was like, that's a good subject line. I know you're not a, a, I know you're not a copywriter, but I was like, okay. Is this like a personal email? This this was totally personal. Okay. Yeah. Totally personal email. Okay. So, and it's set because this is like for any of you now, listen, we're talking about something really powerful and important today, but this is also, there's a, there's a PS side lesson happening right now on writing compelling email Mm. copy, even though that is not the purpose of what you were doing at all. But it really, in order to get your attention, I had to write the, it was super effective. Okay. Here it is. (laughs) She says, hi, Kate, I'm contacting you with some urgency in my heart, an urgency that I felt in my chest for a while, but I did not know exactly how to speak up or where. So this is why I'm writing to you today over 20 years ago. And by the way, like this made sense because Patricia and I have known each other for years and we've had a lot of very serious conversations and have cried together many times. So this wasn't like a random person. (laughs) Good good point. (laughs) Over 20 years ago, I joined the fitness industry, promising myself and others, the Holy grail to self-love and happiness was getting a fit, skinny body, AKA a body that gets tons of likes on Instagram. In the fitness industry, the list quickly became long with all my imperfections and new bodily goals I had to accomplish to be perfect. The world responded quickly with adding more to my list. Why not fix a body part as well? Can you get down to an even smaller size? Maybe you should whiten your teeth. While you're at it, could you fix your hair? I betrayed myself and thousands of others running so far away from my own heart to achieve a body perfection that slowly destroyed my soul and sent me spinning into a vortex of dieting, over-exercising, drugs, and truly physical and mental suffering. And I know why, because I was supporting an industry that only focuses on the external results. And after more than 20 years, I know that we cannot solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. Last night, I looked into my daughter's eyes before they went to sleep and I could cry imagining the long list the world will give them of changes and imperfections they should make. Are they too dark, hair too curly, too masculine, or too thin or too fat? What are the impossible ideals that they will be forced to strive for. I can only show up as a role model for them in my actions. And I hope you will join me and answer the call to join forces with me because I'm on a mission to bring spiritual fitness to a world that is empty and is craving more than a quick fix. So let's stop giving them empty calories of spiritual aspartame. I would love to have this conversation with you about what we women can do to tune into the real self-love in action, not just in theory. If you're open to it, I'd love to discuss this on your podcast because it's it's time to speak up and I want to do it mm. with you. You can't see me, but I'm crying at my own email. That's wow. how you know it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know it's true. Yeah. This is, um, as you can see, I get very tender hearted around this topic. 
And even more so now, like you said, we've known each other for many, many years. And, you know, we've, we've shared a lot of experiences. And what I think is moving me so much right now, one, having kids, as you know, changes, just changes the game because it's not just you and your little life anymore. It's you're seeing what you're handing down in generations. And my life has really changed beyond just the kids, but you know, I stopped teaching so much. I shifted my career direction. And I'll tell you, I thought I was a lot more together than I was. And as I started to move away from this industry and starting to really see the insanity and all of the stuff that I accumulated in my own psyche and the pain and the shame, and the, it really breaks my heart. And one of the things that really triggered this was about a year ago, I was looking through some old photos and all I, these were photos when I was younger, when I was thinner, I was on cover of magazines. I was like down to 10% body fat, short shorts, like really the goal, the, the pinnacle for me of where I could have been. And I remember how sad and how depressed and how it still was never enough. And I see that in so many people and it, it truly breaks my heart and it breaks my heart because I was part of that industry that fed that lie. And I really, I am done. I don't want to be a part of an industry that's selling that deception anymore. And part of that, that is really not deceiving myself anymore and trying to figure out if the answer is not getting the perfect body and not being thin or being in, a, in an admirable body that people really look at and like give you the like, or I wish I had that body or admiration, then what is really the answer? And I think we have to go back to the question, the question that we ask ourselves when we get on these kinds of journeys, or I call it being hooked, being under the spell of unworthiness. Hmm. We get in a trance. And the trance that we get into is we get hypnotized by media, by, you know, not just media, by our ancestors, by our lineage. And we get hypnotized into really seeing ourselves as a body and body parts. And this is a huge problem because as we start to narrow our focus on our body parts, we self-objectify. We see ourselves as a body. And we monitor ourselves from an outsider's point of view. That's why social media is so powerful because we're monitoring ourselves by what do they think of me? How do I look compared to that person? And we have this constant monitoring or unsettled feeling because everything is about what do they think of me? And it's not even me as a person. It's me as a body, as a number on the scale, as a shape, as a size, as an age. And every time we do that, we disconnect from the source of who we really are, which is our heart and our soul. And for so many now, that just doesn't seem to matter. And so when we ask ourselves the question, how can I lose the weight or how can I get in shape? The underlying deeper question is, how can I be loved? Mm -hmm. Right? How can I be valued? How can I feel worthy? And... That's why I said there in that email is you can't solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution, which is what the industry is telling us that we can do. And 
when we disengage from our heart, when we disengage and we see ourselves as a body and body parts and an object to be looked at or an object to be seen only, we inevitably close down our heart and the very thing that we're starving for, which is love and which is to be seen and valued, we are closing ourselves off to. And I find this to be terribly important right now. I recently was going over Instagram and I was creating a talk and I looked under the hashtag Finspo. Have you looked at that hashtag? No. What's that? What's Finspo? Finspo. And I, and I recommend to the listeners, if you get triggered, if you get triggered, if you have an eating disorder, if you're dealing with healing from anorexia or bulimia or orthorexia, any of these body... It's orthorexia. Ortho, orthorexia is when you are you only want to eat foods that are healthy. Oh, like, yeah, yep. If you look at this uh, hashtag, it's, I really am going to try not to cry even just talking about it, just so your viewers know I cry a lot, but um, it's, it's terribly depressing. It's just anorexic girls with hashtags of suicidal, depressed, I'm ugly, I hate my body. All you have to do is look at that for a second. And again, I don't recommend that if you get triggered at all. You start to see that that's the lowest, the lowest end of what we're doing to women in our society. And it truly is heartbreaking because I can feel that feeling. I know that feeling. It's very dark and it's, it's not healed by exercise and it's not healed by a number on the scale. And so we have to ask ourselves, then what is it healed by? What is it healed by? And that's really what I've been devoting myself to the last few years. And I call it spiritual fitness. And it's really about turning back in instead of tuning out. It really is about kindness and compassion towards oneself and really trying to free from that spell of self-objectifying oneself. And it, it really does take work. And exercise, of course, and the way that we eat, of course, plays into this. But everything needs a mental, physical, and a spiritual piece to a healing, right? You have to look at all three components. And we get so narrowly focused on weight and body and size and age. And we can see this when we see someone like, you know, the Kardashians, which I hate to keep bringing up, but it's just such a good thing because some of the most influential people right now are the people that are doing just what's causing pain. And the followers, the people that follow them are people from 18 to 25 years old. And I think if we as mothers don't start speaking up and if we don't start getting a little freaking angry and start really, really doing things to the best of our ability to start shaking things up and demanding that this isn't okay, we're really going down a scary path and something that is not going to be easily turned around until, which is what I said in kind of my dream is getting together with a lot of strong women who have influence and power in their voice to start even just being mindful about fat talk, right? Oh, you look so thin. You look great. Oh, you look beautiful. Did you lose weight? Oh my gosh, your hair, you look amazing, right? All of this pouring compliments into just the outer instead of, wow, you look happy today. What's going on in your life? Or, wow, congratulations. I saw you're working really hard on your business. How can I help you? Anything, anything other than fat talk yeah. 
is really what we have to cultivate within ourselves and within our communities and within our platforms and within our homes. Yes. That's why it's, it's so important for me right now to really speak up because I have been a part of this problem. I have sold it for so many years. And I don't know if I ever told you this story, but the moment that turned me around was, you know, my career was, I was the highest paid in New York, the first one to get life insurance as a fitness individual. Equinox just opened and they offered me an apartment for me to be on their roster because I was not going because the person I was working for was going to be out of business if I left. And so I'm just saying that to kind of highlight where I was in my career. And I was an aerobics champion, which if you just think about it, how fit do you have to be? You have to be really, really, really extremely fit. And I was doing a TV show and after about a year into the TV show, the producer called me in to say he was worried about me because I was gaining too much weight. But the piece of the story that I don't often tell, which was really the turning point for me, was after that conversation, I found myself in a taxi going downtown on 9th Avenue on a, late, on a Sunday night and went to an apartment building there. I looked around when I got out of the taxi to make sure nobody saw me, put a little hoodie on my head and went to the door and knocked. And when the guy opened the door, I gave him my money and he gave me a little bag. And inside the little bag was a little white powder. And that powder was crystal meth. And that was my diet aid. That was my diet aid. I was not a drug addict. I was a shame addict to a level that I found myself crystal meth. And I remember thinking, what have I come to? What kind of lies am I telling people? I'm saying all is well, diet and exercise. Let's be happy. Let's do the class, eat your fruits and vegetables. And here I am about to do a line of crystal fucking meth. It's going to obliterate any sense of appetite that I have for days, for days. And I was very good. Just a tiny little sprinkle last a couple of days. This was what I reverted to. And I lied in my bed with the crystal meth in my drawer and I cried and I prayed. And I feel like that was a moment of grace where I just thought, wow, what am I doing? And what am I selling? And if you look at the statistics of people that get hooked in diet mentality, it's millions, yeah. millions. We're talking millions. It's a $6 billion industry that's preying on your fear of fat. It enhances fat phobia like they're terrorists. And fat phobia is like the worst thing anybody could be in our world is fat. And we criticize people for being fat. We see them as lazy and slothful and undisciplined and unwilling. And the word fat itself is something that we don't even want to utter out of our mouth because it's worse than calling somebody the N word or the C word. And I just had a moment where I realized, like, get this statistic. I just want everybody to understand the statistic. One-tenth of one percent, one-tenth of one percent people actually lose weight and keep it off with diets. Can you imagine going to uh, the iPhone store and saying, I want to pay $1,000 for a phone? And they say, well, here's your phone, but it's only, only one-tenth of one percent of the phones that we sell actually work. You go, <laughs> I'm taking my chances. I'm taking my chances. Or that people start... 
and stop a diet five to six times a year. That's like, if you're going to enroll in a college, you enroll in a college, then you drop out, then you re-enroll, then you drop out, then you five times. If people were doing this, this would be front page news. But you know what the problem is? Is that people don't think it's the problem's fault of the solution. They think it's their fault, which breeds into the shame, which breeds into the guilt, which keeps them terrorized and shameful. And I just, somehow that thought flashed before me. Somehow I realized I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one that just like me, these millions and millions and millions of people are buying things and buying things and starting another diet and trying and desperate, like really desperate. Who do you not know that really is wanting to lose weight because it's desperate. And you're going to say that people that have that much desire and that much desperation and are willing to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and put their life on the line, do not actually want to do it bad enough. That's insanity. That's insanity. It only leads to one thing. And that means the solution is not there. If the solution was there, people would have already achieved this goal. And this fat phobia, this thing that people are selling and saying, it's the worst thing that you can be is a horrible lie. It is. It's a horrible lie. And we have to really stop it. And this idea of like now weighing kids in schools and trying to like, it's, did you see, I'm sorry, I'm just like going and going and going, but did you see, I did a blog not long ago because there was an ad in Times Square. Yes. There was a Times Square ad, it called Suck It. And it was this picture of a young, cute girl sucking a lollipop. And it says, you've got cravings, tell, or something like, you've got cravings, tell them to suck it. It's selling appetite depressants. A lollipop is a a kid's thing. It's an appetite suppressant. An appetite suppressant, a lollipop. And it says, get a flat tummy now. Billboard, 40,000 people a day. And this is targeted to young girls. Kim Kardashian on her Instagram, sucking the lollipop. Her people are 18 to 25 years old. This really is something that we need to pay attention to. We need to question. We need to start looking at, do I really deserve to punish and be at war with myself because of my weight? I was in Brazil not long ago. My wife is Brazilian. I was on fire. I was on fire with my own, my, and, and sorry, it makes me cry because it's so crazy. But it's like this, these moments of insanity where I literally heard myself say, I was in the gym, everybody had gone to the beach, I took a break, I was feeling so, it really felt like post-traumatic stress disorder. My heart was pounding, I was angry, I was mad, and I really heard myself say the thought, I don't want to be here anymore. And I heard it like it was somebody else's voice. And I thought, holy cow, this is really dangerous. I'm aware. I practice. I hear it. It didn't hook me. But I heard it. And I thought, what if that was my daughter saying that? And, and I thought of all those girls on Thinspo. And I thought of all the people just in general who have been brainwashed into thinking 
they're not worthy if they have cellulite on their thighs or if they, they don't have the perfect body or anything. And it's really, and this is, I'm someone who works. I do the work. I've been doing the work and I am finding it extremely difficult not to look at my body as it changes, as I'm not working out as any, as much anymore, as I have an injury and to be calm and not go into a panic. Right. Well, we're totally brainwashed. Totally brainwashed. You're brainwashed more than the rest of us because you've been in the industry for so long. Yeah. The other day, so Penelope's our daughter who is almost three and she was putting on her little bathing suit to go to the pool or something. And it's like hot pink with a little tutu and a bow. <laughs> and so she was like in the front of our full length mirror saying to nobody in particular, like, do you see my bathing suit? Do you see my bow? And did this whole little, I don't know, little monologue. <laughs> this little and then she did this whole little dance and then she looked at me and she goes mama that my body dance and oh. I was like oh my god like <laughs> it was now I'll cry it was so amazing to watch this little girl and just be like <laughs> just be like she loves her body so much and like I used to love my body like that and just, I thought to myself, like, how do I preserve that in her as long as possible? Because it was so, it was just really, like, it was adorable. Obviously, it was hilarious. <laughs> but it was just so precious. Like, she was just inspired by her, you know, by how good it feels in a body to do a whole dance about it. <laughs> And tell me about it. You know, it was so sweet. Amazing. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm with you. <laughs> I am also personally, you know, like I'm four months postpartum. So my body is in, you know, in the place of it just had a baby. And like, you know, you can share too about your own journey with your body because this doesn't only affect women. Um, but it is like just I can hear that even though like I think as far as people go, I'm like not particularly crazy about this, but it's hard being four months postpartum and being like, well, this expectation that like I should be fitting into my clothes from before now. Like, I'm like, yeah. okay, enough. Like, what is this with the postpartum thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. I am putting this pressure on myself and I'm trying not to, but you know, but right. It's the brainwashing because I have been in that place. Like you were Patricia. I have had like my most ideal body for whatever, you know, for what my body size and shape and the quote unquote ideal, right. That our right, culture right. must believe that is the most ideal, like, you know, the visible abs, the probably, I don't know, 12, 13% body fat, something, you know, 15%, who knows. And like, I was driving myself crazy. I was driving Mike crazy. Mm -hmm. I was driving everyone, everyone around me completely <laughs> insane. And my body was quote unquote perfect. And I was definitely not happier. And I definitely did not feel more lovable. Yeah. Crazier, right? Crazier. Oh, 800 million times crazier. And it was an obsession for what? 
For what? For what? Good wedding photos. Great wedding photos. photos. But like, ultimately, like also they would have been beautiful even if I had been 15, 20 pounds heavier. Like it wouldn't have made a difference. That's why it kind of started though. Oh, that is why it started because my wedding dress didn't fit. Right. And then I remember Patricia, you came to speak at our event that fall and I wasn't quite as full on in that crazy place, but I was not far from it. And you were sharing about being in the fitness industry, gaining weight, losing weight, doing drugs. And I just sat in the back, even though I was supposed to be leading this retreat, I just sat in the back and bawled, just oh. listening to you. Cause I knew like what you were saying was right. And I was not far from Cookie Town at that time. Like I really wasn't. And, and I, you know, I, and I don't know like sort of what you're, I'm curious to go next into like, what do you think the next steps are? Because at that time I was identifying, like I am down a, a tunnel of darkness here. There is nothing good at the end of this tunnel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm obsessing this much about what goes in my mouth and how much I'm moving. Scary. That it takes over, you know, it takes over your life. And so, yeah, like how old are your girls? The twins are six and Olivia's seven. She'll be, is that true? Yeah. She's seven. She's going to be eight in September. Okay. They're so close in age. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> God help us. Yeah. We, so before we go into, so I want to go next into like, okay, so what do we do, right? As mothers, as parents, as soci- as concerned society members, but mm-hmm. Mike, do you mind? I, don't, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you mind sharing a little bit about just how this affects you too as a man? Cause it is not while it is primarily a, a female thing, it definitely, I've been so surprised in conversation with you to know how deeply it affects men as well. Just like uh, for me as a dude or for you for personally. Me well, and then also you as a father, but like, I'd like to hear both. Okay. Cause there's like witnessing what the conversation just took place. Yeah. Like, you want to start I mean, there. that's one. I wish I could hand you a tissue through the computer. I know, I'm using my sleeve. (laughs) I should have tissues here. I should know this by now. Patricia's just using her sleeve to wipe. Yeah, it's okay. It's black. Totally great. It's fine. I had a coaching, a consulting client this morning, and I go, Ruby woke up in the middle of it, so I went to go get her, and I come back, and there's this giant spit up on my left right shoulder. She's like, oh, so she just spit up on you. I'm like, yep. I was like, I just put this shirt on. So every, the last five days in a row, fresh shirt, spit up. That's how the patterns happen. No, but it's been, I'm watching this uh, series by this gentleman. I can't remember his last name, but it's Justin. And he did a Ted talk about like being a man or something. Mm-hmm. I can, we can link it up in the show notes, but it's I called, are we about. like, we are we man, are man enough. enough. I'm going to look it up. Um, and he had his hep- second episode is on Facebook and it will have it in the show notes at katenorther.com forward slash podcast. But it was talking about body image, Baldoni. Is that right? But Justin Baldoni. And it had a guy who was born a woman and transitioned into a man who was on the cover of men's health as uh, first trans trans, first trans. Like, and he he talked about him growing up as a woman in the view of what they grow up into and then how that transitioned into being a man and then being like the true man of like ending up on the cover of men's health. So then Justin is this male model anyway, that's like walking around gorgeous dude as all, you know, 24 seven. And then you have one of the MMA fighters who I can't remember his name, but like when I was, it was probably 10 years ago, he was the guy, you don't mess with this dude, right? He was the this Brazilian guy. I can't remember his name. It's going to come to me, but, and it's like, he's talking about his body image. And he said, he basically overcompensated in MMA because his voice is very high pitched. 
So it's like, he has a very like high pitched squeaky mm. voice as this, like, me- oh like he gosh. gets in a, a ring and he's just wow. beating everybody up. Right. And he was like undefeated and all this stuff. So I watch this episode and these guys are sitting around and there's other dudes there too, but like, they're talking about what it's like to have this appearance as a man. I mean, for myself, a great example is yesterday. Like we were in the pool at your mom's house and playing with the girls. And it was like, awesome. It was super hot outside. And we like went in for a dip and I was, you were taking pictures and you're like, just stay there. And I'm holding Ruby and I can feel myself putting Ruby like in front of me in the camera because like the skit, it's weird. Cause I keep working out like I'm working out, but I'm doing much like I'm lifting heavier weights. I'm definitely gaining muscle, but the scale goes up so I can internally I'm judging myself as the scales increasing, but even though like my muscles are bigger muscles weighing more than fat. Right. So that's expected, but it's also where I'm not, I've never been 100% happy when I look in the mirror, even when, cause I remember you shared this at our event even when we were, Kate and I were doing the weighing our food every single day that was going in our mouth, we were working out like two hours a day. She yelled at me because I like ate more chocolate and peanut butter and cheated oh, and didn't track I, it. I lost like, it because he cheated. And she's like, how can you cheat? And you know, like, the whole thing. I mean, so not a proud moment. But like, so that was leading up to our wedding. But even for our wedding, because the time I weighed like 184 for our wedding. And when Kate had the baby, when she had Ruby a year later, like Penelope or Penelope, excuse me, a year later after our wedding, I put on basically 25 to 30 pounds. And we also went on a honeymoon that was epic. And I just ate and ate and ate and ate, but it was all, it was like all emotional stuff, right? It was just, and then the appearance of, I've had this running saga that's gone on in my head to get back to that 184, which I haven't weighed 184 besides that time since I was like in high school. Right. And so it's been even yesterday with the pictures I looked, they happened to come up on the phone today and I was looking at them and I'm like zooming in to see where everything is. But it's like, you forget about the epic moment we had yesterday at the pool because I'm like trying to see like, is it my arms? Like, why do I look so huge? Like I'm looking at this picture. I'm because like, you're holding a four month old baby girl. <laughs> <Yes>. She's tiny. <laughs> but also like my arms are bigger. We were on a conference call one day and it was, but that, like my arms are getting more muscular, like they're growing, like all of this stuff. So I just look bigger in self and through the whole, it's been this, yeah, it's a constant running journey, which you're talking about, but it is, it's like you look at Instagram and you go by the views that's there and you look at like the Kardashians are a great example. I look at the Kardashians of saying, don't look at them for who to date, like take man advice from. That's the way I look at it from my perspective. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole nother thing. We can talk about that later. But then also it's just like what influence, because a lot of it's so fake. Right. And so it's not reality. And I, and as I'm aging, cause I'm 35 now. And as I'm getting older, when I look at what we found pictures of when we started our road trip in 2011, I was like, look at these children. You know, it's like, we looked so young. We looked like babies. We looked like babies. And we're like, but think about, cause you shared this at our live event too. It's like, when you look back then, I also thought I was fat. You know, I also thought I was out of shape and it was just like, or I didn't have enough gusto or whatever, you know, it's like these internal thoughts and what ends up happening. And it's the psychological stuff that goes like, oh my God, I just ate that chocolate bar. So now I should go work out a little bit more. or I should do this. 
because I'll feel better. But it's like, I like to eat a whole chocolate bar in a day. Like it tastes delicious, right? Who does it? I and know. So, right. And so it's been, I mean, that's been, and I've been a whole skin rash journey that's gone on and all this stuff that, through this process, but that's a different, we Go talked about that. to another episode. Yeah, like that. two weeks. But two so then ago. what is it like for you? Do you think about this as the father of two daughters? Like, so my question for oh. you two, I was going to ask, but I'll answer that too. Cause I was like, when does this start for women? Like when you think about like how early does this start? Cause I'm thinking of Penelope and she does, she does, she does her dance. She runs around here. She like swings her butt out. Like it's so cute. She does this whole thing. But I think of myself from a dude perspective, the thing that I could think of the most when it came to sports and athletics was not about body, abs, arms. It was like your penis size, right? It was more about like, dude, that guy's got a huge dick. You know, and like that was conversation that really? would take place. Yeah. Wow. This is when I think back to the early times, it wasn't necessarily so bigger dick means more man, right? It's like, cause you're in a locker room with guys, you're in these, in these intimate spaces. And it's like, that's what it wasn't necessarily about like the ripped abs or the arms, or you look at huh. the billboards and the men's health. But I mean, that goes on. Cause in college and high school, we used to buy muscle and fitness. We used to take the protein shakes. We used uh -huh. to do, so that is still happening. But it's more, I mean, when I can think back, that was a lot of conversation that took place there. But I'm curious, like, and I think it, I think it starts later would be my for assumption men. for men. I think so too. I don't know, but you can. Do you cause, remember cause first, then I'll, then when I'll you were first aware of your body, Patricia? In yeah, I do. Life. I mean, and I, and when I tell the story, I usually say that was the moment that I got hypnotized, that I was under the spell, that, wow, I'm not Okay. I was eight years old and my parents took me to the bathroom to put me on a scale. And by the look of their face, when they saw the number, it was fear and I got hypnotized. That's, that was my introduction into the diet mentality and fat phobia because I weighed 130 pounds and this freaked them out. And from there, I mean, I remember my dad would sit on a chair while watching TV and count the squats that I would do while he was standing there. And my mom took me to a diet doctor that injected cow's urine into your bloodstream to increase your metabolism, like, and gave her diet pills, right? Obviously, I was too young for that. Or, you know, Weight Watchers and Diet Center. And, you know, my mom was was an extremist too, I think as most people are. You restrict and then you binge. You restrict and she could go literally 30 days without eating anything. And obviously with the help of very strong diet pills and then would just go all out. And these were the, the ways that I learned myself. And it always felt totally out of control. But mostly I felt so much shame around food because there wasn't in my home this kind of like just healthy habits. It was so unhealthy. Our cupboards were filled with Cheetos and Ding Dongs and Twinkies and donuts and and we had free reign to everything. And so I would take all of this stuff. I would hide it. I would wake up in the middle of the night and go eat it. And it just was the link of food and shame and fear was very, very early on. It happens to a lot of people from what I've noticed with talking to a lot of different women, a lot of people were put on diets or parents start to talk about the kid's body or weight around that age, you know? And if you talk, research shows, if you talk to kids or you make fun of their weight or 
you start having this focus on weight or body size at that age, that is really the link to a lot of problems, eating disorders and things like that. So that's when I remember. Yeah. I remember I was seven years old. I was wearing this little peach two-piece bathing suit with like a braided teal band like edge. I remember this day so clearly. And I was running around the house to get myself sweaty and then putting my face in the freezer because I was getting too hot. And then I was tell, and I remember going down to my mom's office and telling her mom, like, I think this bathing suit is getting looser on me. I think I'm losing weight. And I was seven years old, like Mm. trying to get a little bikini looser on me. Then I've been thinking about losing weight ever since. It's It's like really sad. That's 30 years, basically. Not quite, but close. Yeah. Yeah. And I do look at the pictures. It's like, and I try to think about right now, especially right, because it's summer and, you know, and I'm, I just had a baby, right? So, and we're in the bathing suits all the time with my girls. And I'm just trying to remember, like, I'm never because I've had so many experiences of looking at photos, knowing what my mindset was, but knowing now that like, I looked amazing, but I was obsessed about not looking amazing. So I just try to really remember like when I'm 85 and I look back at these pictures, I'm going to be thinking about how great it was to be with our girls. And like, so let's just be here. (laughs) right like let's just be here so you know so and then of course like so that's really interesting to know if you start talking to your kids about their body in any way right like of course I want to you know tell our girls what the names of their parts are and talk to them about consent and and (laughs) if you want to have a good conversation about penises and yeah and And I'll be like to identify who has one (laughs) (laughs) and But other than that, like I just, and even like I am trying to be conscious of the way I look in the mirror when I'm with Penelope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like wanting to, cause she, she feels that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting because, you know, this household is quite, you know, Kellen is completely opposite from me, right? She wakes up. If she feels like having a donut for breakfast, she'll have a donut. Then she goes on and it's just not on her mind. She doesn't, she didn't grow up with this is good food and this is bad food. And we were talking about this last night and she said, if you ever put me on a diet, I will gain 20 pounds. She doesn't think about it. Like I look at her, I'm like, can you please just not do the grocery shopping? Cause she comes home with, just like everything. And I try to like keep the balance where I don't like interrupt that too much because I do want to keep that conversation of there's not good food and bad food. And you're not good when you eat this and bad when you eat this and just really keep going back to, well, how does that feel? How do you feel? Are you hungry? Like just tuning in, tuning in, tuning in. And so Olivia came up to me the other day and she said, you know, I went to the doc when I was at to the doctor the other day, I weighed 140 pounds. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Is that okay? Like, and I'm like, why are you even thinking? And then yesterday we went to the doctor because the little ones were sick and we all had to go together and they got on the scale and they were so funny because, you know, they love to get on the scale. And I'm like going, I'm like imagining me, like my heart beating fast every time I have to get on the scale. And then Olivia jumps on the scale because the twins are like tiny little twiggy body types, very different body types. 
and she got on and she goes, and she was 150 and she goes, Hmm, last time I came, I was 140 and now I'm 150. And I could see her whole brain. Like, is that good? Is that bad? Is that like, I don't know where I never weigh myself. We never talk about weight. It's really never an issue. And it was very cool because the doctor interjected right there said, that's great. That's it. That's great. You're glowing. And that was it. I could see the doctor's brain seeing what was happening and beautifully interjected. But that doesn't always happen. In fact, that rarely happens. I had a mom come up to me the other day, like palpitating because her daughter had gained 10 pounds since the last, and seven years old, since the last weigh-in. And she was literally freaking out, freaking out. And we transmit so much of our own fears unknowingly. And it's just really important to be super, super mindful of this. I heard this, read this great research the other day. I just put it in my blog and it was, let's see if I can remember the name of it, but there's research that now shows that the genes that are passed on. So for instance, if you were a Holocaust, if you were the people that were in the Holocaust, their kids had the same gene, the gene that had been changed due to that experience. But obviously not just the Holocaust, but you know, when I think about now everything that I'm going through, like sometimes like I was talking about Brazil and how I went there and I'm like, but this doesn't even make sense. Like I see my body. Yes, it's not what it was, but okay, we're not talking. I need some, I need a gastric bypass or anything, right? We're talking 15 pounds. If I'm talking ideal, ideal, like and understanding, I'm like, why is this so intense? And I, when I read that study, I thought, wow, it's because I'm not just feeling my fear and my panic. I'm feeling everybody's fear and panic. Fear feels the same for everybody. Feeling unworthy, it actually feels the same. It's like if you have 100 bowls of sugar, the sugar in one bowl tastes the same as the sugar in the other bowl. And what I'm experiencing is not just related to what's here in the moment. And so when I heal, I'm not just healing myself. I'm really not. I'm healing the next generation. I'm healing the generations before me. And it's a worthy cause. It is a worthy Mm -hmm. cause. And that's, I mean, that's the study of epigenetics. Yes. Epigenetics. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that we feel our uh, legacy of trauma. You know, and right. I think that that, right. that comes into play as women, certainly around being controlled in our bodies, right? And not having the sovereignty over our bodies because it's only very recently in like the last couple of generations that women even had any choices right. about our own bodies and even those are being threatened right now. And then I would, you know, I'm not a person of color, but I would imagine being a woman of color, there's this whole other layer, right? In which you could certainly address if you want to, but just like fear and not being enough, the way our culture is around white supremacy and that whole thing, you know, the way that that's passed down. So I think that it's really powerful for you to be talking about the worthy endeavor of healing healing those feelings of unworthiness and knowing that like, we're not going to feel more worthy when we lose 10 pounds. Cause all three of us have done have it been up and down mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30 pounds. And like, you don't feel more worthy when you're skinnier. 
You absolutely don't. In fact, I remember being so scared because I knew the thinnest I was was when I was in competition. I knew the very next day it was like hanging on to the edge of a cliff. I knew it was not going to be long before because I couldn't sustain it. I was working out eight hours a day. I was eating nothing. And it just unsustainable. And really that set me for a loop for years, many, many years, because you try to get back to that. And now you have a goal that, it's just, it's just not attainable or sustainable. And, and it makes you so crazy. I just thought with the weight thing. So think of it like, right. It's like we lose weight, quote unquote, we become healthier. Maybe. Maybe. That's, the, the, that's correct. The, right. That's what I'm, that's what we're so trying, being sold in the last, like, since Ruby was born, for those of you who've been listening to the podcast, like uh, two episodes ago or so, I talked all about like we, the hard place we're in the health journey that I've been on with my skin, et cetera. So I've had every year I try and I want to get blood work done just to make sure things are progressing. I heard this from Tim Ferriss on his podcast a long time ago is he gets stuff done every year to compare to himself, not to compare to the rest of the United States. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like, it, it's just like, I like to make sure I'm on the same pace every year. So I was like, well, that's a great idea. So even the blood work that I had five years ago, we got married almost five years ago when I was at 184, the numbers and markers are basically the same that I am now weighing more like your cholesterol your heart your blood pressure that's correct like testosterone levels blood pressure cholesterol like those the basic markers of and it's all like white blood cell counts like all of that stuff is around about the same so even though i might weigh a little bit more than i did previously my underlying health numbers are still the same but this is a big conversation if you look through health at every size health at every size it's really a lie that we've been told that BMI is what really determines, you know, I'm considered obese. Me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I'm considered freaking obese. You don't going to tell me that that's not going to put some kind of toxic thorn in your mind to be like relating to yourself as obese. Are you kidding me? And that it's just not true. And we have to really start breaking down these old myths and concepts that are really causing people so much pain because it's actually the stigma of being fat that really causes more health problems than the actual weight itself. And then you have people, I know this woman who was like really upset that her son is overweight and she's like, I'm just worried about his health. I said, you are not. And that is not true. It's not true. I know this woman very well. She wasn't a client. So I could see. And I'm like, that is absolutely not true. If that's truly your problem, you take him to the doctor, have his markers read and leave him alone. Why are you going to interject that kind of craziness? It's your craziness and you're projecting it. Weight does not determine health. And if you have a problem, you go check your markers and don't let the doctor weigh you. Like, just don't let the doctor weigh you. Like, get it out of the picture. Because you know, it's, it, that's so important. You did this. When I was pregnant with Penelope, we were working with this group of home birth midwives. And I said to them, I was like, listen, I have a history of being nutty about my weight. You guys can weigh me, but I just don't want to know the number. And they said, actually, we're just not even going to weigh you because the data really actually shows that it's not actually that relevant in your pregnancy. (laughs) It's not so correlated with health markers. So we just, I did not weigh, like I wasn't weighed the whole pregnancy with Penelope. And I was with Ruby because I was in a much more, 
you know, traditional practice. But luckily by then I was like, I don't give a shit anymore. Right, right, right. Thank God. Thank God. A nice sign of healing. Yeah. But it is so true. Like the data shows that it's not, yes, of course, you know, your waist to hip ratio, there's some stuff, right? There's some but stuff not as much as our culture has us. Believe. Not even close. And no, everybody's different. This yeah. is what we have to really get. There's not a one shape, one size. Some of us are just bigger and some of us just tend to be bigger. And we've got to really start to think about that in the, and start to see what I've really been really diving into is what is this fat phobia? Like I was about to go do a talk and I was, you know, worried about what I was going to wear and blah, blah. It wasn't a fitness thing by any means. Thank God. I'm like done with being in the fitness realm and trying to like figure that all out. But it was just a talk and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wonder what I'm going to wear. And this makes me look fat. Like I was in it. And I just sat down and I said, okay, let's talk this through. Let's think about this for a second. What are you really scared of? Like my heart was racing. I wanted to die. I didn't want to go. I wanted to cancel. And I thought, okay, let's just talk to the worst case scenario. And I'm like, what do you think? When you stand up on stage, everyone's going to see you and shriek in horror. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, I'm going to stand on the stage and everyone's going to gasp at the size of my thighs or, you know, I'm a size 10. I'm a size 10. It's a very average size. We're not talking about marginalized people here. That's another topic. But I feel that much panic. And as I start to investigate, I'm like, that's just the fat phobia that you grew up with. It's not real. And everybody's going to have an opinion and it doesn't even matter what their opinion is. Like I have to like constantly talk to myself in this way. I don't weigh myself anymore. I don't diet anymore. I don't restrict anymore. I have eliminated all of these things that I do. I just, I don't restrict in any way. And it is scary as hell. I just told Callan last night, I said, because the other day she comes up and she's like playing this podcast for me about intermittent fasting. Like she's going, this is really interesting. And she puts it down and I can feel my body start to boil. I'm like, she's trying to tell me. and And I walked out of the room. I said, great. And I walked out of the room. And, you know, she never is one to talk about. Never. She'll never talk about my weight. She always say, you look beautiful, blah, blah, blah. All the things that you really want in a partner. But when you're on fire, you notice everything. And I just last night, I just told her, I said, you know, I hadn't told her because I didn't even want to have this conversation. It was just too tender. And I just said, I just telling you, I will never have the goal to lose weight in my life again. Never. And she kind of like, she popped, like, I felt her like a slight, like what? Like almost scared. Like, I don't know. That's how I interpreted it. I'm not in her head, but that was my interpretation. And I said, I will never diet again. I will never have things that I eat and that I don't eat. I have one goal and that goal is to tune back in, stop obliterating all of my cravings, stop trying to obliterate my hunger, tune into what's real and pay more attention to what I need and less attention to what the outside world tells me I should eat or drink or when I should eat it or how much I should eat it. And I've got to trust that my body has a wisdom and the capability to guide me in the direction that it will be its best. And I have a feeling it won't be any thinner than I am right now. So can we all agree that this is okay? Hmm. And she was like, she was amazing. She's like, please. 
I love you. She texted me today. I just want to make sure you know, I love you no matter what size, what shape, what age, you're mine. We're perfect. This is it. We're done. Don't worry. Do whatever you want. So I pray everybody has somebody in their life like that because it's really important. But the point I wanted to make there is how scary it is because I'm not doing this. Oh, I'll eat the donut today because tomorrow I'm going to work out extra hard or I won't have that. Like I can't do that mental gymnastics anymore. I'm like, no, I'm eating what's in front of me right now. And for this moment right now, this is all that matters. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm mm. full and I eat what I crave. If I crave it, I eat it. And the conversation ends here. Wow. It's hard, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To say, I mean, it is revolutionary. Revolutionary. It's I audacious. Never again in my lifetime have the goal of losing weight. Hmm. Whoa. That's huge. Yeah. Cause people, I'm like, people are going to be like, are you sure? That's <laughs> are you sure about that? No, it's amazing. Like, I want to be on that program. That's all. Like, that's a great program. (laughs) It's really freeing. It's really freeing. And I'm telling you, it takes, it's been taking me a lot of work, but it's tiny little movements a day of just like, Ooh, I just got hooked. Wow. I'm on fire right now. And just like breathe. There's your next business adventure. Okay, so that's your next business venture, Patricia. Which is that? You can create a community around what you just talked about, yes. like bringing women yeah. together and that want to be a part of this. And it's very powerful because it's not going to. This is going to take time, right? Just like you were talking about right now. And as a matter of fact, I do have that. That's tell right. us, tell us. Uh, it's not so much directed completely at this conversation, which is this is coming. It's a program that it's called Spiritually Fit. Mm-hmm. And it is combination of meditations and mindfulness and, and exercise. Intensati, as you know, yeah. is affirmations with movement, but it's kind of like a loving kindness workout, mm-hmm. right? It's wishing yourself well. May I be happy? May I be confident? May I feel strong? May I be at peace? And we do it in the form of affirmations that is an embodiment to help break free from all of this psychic terrorism we have done towards ourselves. And you know, I've restarted to rename it and kind of shift how I speak about it because I know that a lot of people don't focus on becoming spiritually fit. And when I say spiritual, I'm not talking religion. I'm talking open heartedness, right? I'm talking kindness. I'm talking compassion that without this, it's really absolutely impossible to break free from obsessive and compulsive ways of being and to actually heal in any way. Mm. So that's really what I'm creating. So I have the two programs. One is Sati 365 and one is Spiritually Fit, which won't be out for another couple of weeks, but we're opening up the wait list. We're going to actually start the Spiritually, the Sati 365 group in the new year. So we have a wait list for that right now. And we have this really cool thing where we've created archetypes, archetypes of people that feel that the regular workouts maybe don't work for them or that there are people that really want to tune into how their body feels and being kind. And it's a really kind of a fun thing that people can take to kind of just see, is this a direction that vibes with me? So we'll give them the link to that. But everything that I'm doing now is really geared towards helping people really develop that self-love and compassion that actually has tentacles in every area of your life, right? Because whether it's your business or yourself in a relationship or it all comes to your relationship to yourself and you can't create a life that you love from hating yourself. 
And we've got to really, and it's a practice, man. It is a practice. And just like anything, just like learning a new language, you have to devote yourself to this kind of a lifestyle where you're just going to break free from all of the deceiving messages that are sold to us. And remember, these are people that are selling us something. So they really do want us to feel scared and less than because they want us to buy their products. And we have to really create community around these conversations and ways to like put ourselves and invest a little bit every day that we rewire these neural pathways and these limiting beliefs because we have that power. We really do. We have the power to create these changes and have wonderful healings in our mind and in our body, but we've got to exercise that power and it has to be consistent and it has to be where we open our hearts and where we find ways to appreciate and to love and to accept. And we see how we're not just doing this for ourselves, but for the generations to come and the generations before. Yeah. Mm. I think you're right. As, as, as parents, we have a unique opportunity to change the conversation happening with our kids around their bodies. And yeah. of course it starts with changing the conversation we're having, obviously, cause they can, yep. you know, they feel what is happening, I mean, even if we're saying something different. For sure. The thing about like, you know, watching Penelope is like, I'm here to I don't know. I just, I don't feel like I'm here to teach Penelope anything. I feel like she's just here to take Penelope for instance, cause Ruby's she's teaching me enough. We're not going to talk about Ruby though, but the, uh, <laughs> I just need Ruby to sleep. <laughs> yeah, she's, but I bounced around the ball today. That's what works. So anyway, okay. that worked. Um, every time I like put Ruby down for a nap or she goes to sleep, Kate's like, what did you do? Like, what did you, what was the sound? It's just like, it's so funny. But anyway, I watched Penelope a lot and how she operates. Cause like a couple of years ago when she came into the world, like I watched her move when she started crawling and walking and I'm like, whoa, I'm like 34 years old and I'm not able to do that. I should start doing things to get me back to that squats. because oh. the squats and like when we went on our honeymoon, there is these um, guys in Dubai who are Indian who are squatting, like chipping away at brick, like construction workers in a full squat position. And Eight I'm hours like, a day. Oh, wow. We need full to, grown men. I need to move. Like these are full grown, you know? And I'm yeah. like, I need to get back wow. in the role. So I've been in this mode to really, from the mobility standpoint and been working on it a couple of years. But it's like, even with food, as I notice her, it's, sometimes like I, I ask her if she's hungry. She's like, yes. Other times like this morning I waited too long to feed her breakfast and she got a little cranky, but like it's with, even at the dinner table, she'd be like, I want more of this or more of that. And she'll just stop eating. She's like, okay, I'm done. And like, there's no judgment. It's just like, I'm done. I'm going to go play. Uh, but I notice even when we're making food for her, where it's in my head, it's like, okay, protein, fats, and carbs have a good mixture. It's like, she's like, all I want is blueberries. It's like, oh, we're not going to just eat a, like a whole container of blueberries right now, Penelope. It's like, let's get the, she's like, dad, I just want jelly on my toast. And it's like, oh, let's get some peanut butter on that to balance it out. And I'm just like, well, if she just wants jelly, who cares? You know, it's like. Yeah. It, I had a parent, so hard. a woman who is so wise in our community say, you know, cause I was asking her all these questions about potty training and we're past that now with Penelope, but I was obsessing about it as I do about things. And she was like, you know, I have the rule and I think, you know, take it or leave it. But my rule is I don't get into a power struggle with children about what goes into their body and what goes mm. out of their body. And oh. I was like, if that ain't wisdom, I was like, great. I am on board with that. 
Yeah. And it was really powerful to just be like, okay, right. Yes. Her body is her body. Now, of course, we're choosing what comes into our house. Right. So it's like her options are relatively, you know, they're like live food. Right yeah. there, there's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Food. But then beyond that, to not get into a power struggle, because like even growing up, you know, it was like a whole thing, a whole thing. Well, what you were eating, five more bites, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. and I was like hiding my vegetables in my napkin. I mean, it's all the yeah. antics, the craziness. Yeah, it just that's really hard, early, right? That's so hard. It's so hard. Like one of my girls is like refuses meat. And, you know, I absolutely, we were at this party and we were in Brazil and there was, it was Christmas. And so they had, they do their meat, as you know, there was a pig, a full roasted pig. And she had gotten her plate and she turned her head and she saw the pig and she just started sobbing and she started bawling. And she said, mommy, how could they do that? And I never want to eat that again. And I, it really triggered her. Like she was sobbing. She's talked about it for days and, you know, she'll eat a chicken nugget because she doesn't really know that that's chicken or something, but I just let her do it. But it's really hard because all they want is pasta. And I'm just like, oh my God, how is this kid going to survive? And I heard that same kind of advice and I really, 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 really try. And it's really, 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 really hard. Yeah. Really really. hard, especially coming from the place that I've come from where it's like, this is good and this is bad and you shouldn't have that and you need this. And, oh man, I'm trying to unlearn with them and just like, yep. Sit back and totally let their wisdom give me some wisdom. Yeah. So those are some things that we can do as parents. And then um, will you, you'll give us a link about your wait list so we can uh-huh, put it in the show notes. Uh-huh. Okay, great. And then just like one more call to action. What do you, what, what can we be doing to be activists around this issue? Cause it is so, so powerful. You know, always speak up. I think that's really, really important. Always speak up, like whether it's an ad or whether it is a conversation or whether somebody starts speaking in your presence. One of the, a really, really simple thing to just train yourself and train this muscle is start to notice what fat talk is. What's fat talk, right? Are you only complimenting people based on their body? Are you always talking about your own weight or what you ate or what you didn't eat or what workout you did or what you didn't do? Are you only looking on Instagram on those things? When you see Instagram, does it take you into a spiral downward or does it maybe cause you to like get out there a little bit more, start to notice your own feelings around this and start to really question them. Here's what I always ask is, when you have, when you get triggered, right? You see a picture and you're like comparing yourself and despairing. I don't look like that. I should lose weight. And you start going in a spiral. Just start to question that belief because if you don't question a belief, it stays there. A belief is something you don't question. Why am I thinking that? And how do I feel when I think that, right? What does that make me feel? What does it make me do when I believe that's true? I need to lose weight. Is that true? Is that a hundred for the K, um, Byron Katie's work, Byron Katie. but just question it. Is that true? And how does it make me feel when I believe it's true? So you're just starting to pull apart all of these old ideas and start to notice your feelings around fat phobia, right? 
it's so deep. And when you just become a little bit more aware and those things that trigger you, if it triggers you to be weighed at the doctor, don't do it. If it triggers you to be weighed at home, I have eliminated it from my home. And then just start digging into resources and things, you know, being a community of people that change the conversation. That's a lot of things to do. But if you just focus on fat talk, if you focus on eliminating fat talk, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Even just for a week, even just for a week, try no fat talk. Conscious of, of how often it comes into our daily life. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful conversation and I'm really grateful that you reached out. I'm really grateful that you brought me on board because I know you have women in your community. You know what? This is so prevalent. There's no community that I think it doesn't touch really, really. And I think it's so important. And I'm really hoping that if anybody's struggling, you know, with their own feelings of their body, they really just start to get that you can actually break free from this. And all it's required is a real true desire. Mm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, guys. I love talking so to you, both of you. And I love hearing Mike's, Mike's thoughts yeah, on this, too, because you never right? get to hear a guy's perspective. Yeah, on like we just talk about how it affects women. And, and I will say, I do think it affects women more in certain ways, but it's been really eye-opening for me to hear well, you, just, hun, talk about your experience because I've realized like- You know, I just, much it's it like, I read that book about just like even going back to like, because I think this popped in my head, it was like being circumcised. Right, like right off the bat, because in the United States, we love this. We have such a and culture of circumcision, yeah, and the religions and et cetera. But it's like you're, you're telling a human boy that like your body's already wrong at like birth. It's something he was born with. Needs and then there's female mutilation that takes place oh in other countries, god. right? Oh my god. Oh so my like god. with female mutilation as well, it's all re- like both male and female. It's already, we're starting the right. journey that your body's wrong. Newborn baby. And it's like, no wonder why we it links into i mean for me it's like rage in men it gets into not being able to process emotion and we have to bury these things and then it's like the suicide rates continually increase it's like the toxic masculinity that increases and i mean it's like i'd be very curious like and i know there's a guy i read that guy's book we'll see your mom i think your mom knows him we can get him on the podcast oh, that'd the be interesting one? yeah the circumcision book but it's just like That's how can of worms, oh then. my god whole can of worms Produce, right and so it's like it's and that leads into everything else. Yeah. But even, I mean, I was like, when we didn't know what we were having, we had this conversation about circumcision. I was a hard, why would you do that? Has, is anybody even asking the question, why are we doing this? And actually we didn't agree. And this was going to be a big problem. And I just was so grateful that we didn't have a boy because we would have gone into a really a difficult place. But I started interviewing all the guys that I knew. Are you circumcised? Are you glad you're circumcised? Like I went on a whole thing, which again could be a whole podcast, which is not my ex- mm-hmm. area of expertise, but. But I love that you started asking around because that's what you're saying. You're questioning this cultural belief that this is okay. Yes. Like, and that's why are we doing this? So that's the sort of critical thinking that we need to have within our own psyches and within our own conversations mm-hmm. when these things are brought up. You know, one of my favorite memes that goes around in sort of the body positivity world is how to have a beach body. 
have a, have a body and go to the beach. I love it. <laughs> One of my all time favorites, right? So I just like that sort of thing, mm-hmm. like even questioning what the term beach body means, like any of those things we can do are very powerful. The questioning is incredibly important. Important, very like important. So take your power back. So people can find you and follow you obviously on Instagram, but mm-hmm. um, also patriciamoreno.com. PatriciaMoreno.com is, yeah, PatriciaMoreno.com is where you see, you have access to everything that I, that I offer. And if you want, if this sounds like something that they want, anybody wants to participate in, wants to learn more about, they should go to PatriciaMoreno.com forward slash 365. And that's where you're going to get on the wait list for the new program. You'll get information about it as it comes out. You'll get to go through this thing on archetypes to see which archetype you are in relationship to spiritual fitness. And it's just kind of a fun way to question yourself and start to identify as someone who's not just body focused, but body and spirit focused. Um, I just have, can I ask another question? Sure. What would be like, what would you say is the greatest shift in yourself? I mean, we've talked a lot about that today, but just like from what you have gone through in the last, let's say 20 years, to where do you see like the next 20 years? So when you look out 20 years from now, you're like, I'm like, I'm living this life that I'm talking about right now. Like I am in it. And like, this is what the visualization, like where do you see the culture could shift with all of this information going this direction? I really think it's about showing up authentically, right? The diversity and the ability to, I think what happens as a result of self-love and self-acceptance is this ability to actually do the things that fill up your soul. Those things that are really things that help you live a fulfilled life. And what I've noticed in myself is I'm willing to speak up more. I'm willing to show up more. I'm willing to have an opinion more. I'm willing to actually attack the norms more. Like when you're ident- when you're self-objectifying, research shows women don't raise their hands as often. They don't say no as often. You know that when you're self-objectifying, you can't lift as heavy as weights. You can't run as fast. You can't hit a baseball as far. These are real signs that you do worse on math and spelling comprehension tests because your attention split. And so when you don't have your attention split, you're in flow more, you're willing, you're more creative, you're more willing to be seen and to show up. And I think that that shows up in a lot of ways, people bringing forth what it is that they really want to bring forth, feeling more fulfilled, feeling more grounded in their purpose and their passion. And so it's not just about feeling good in your body. It's about being able to have access to bringing forth that within you that is dying to be birthed from you. Hmm. It's beautiful. That data is amazing. That's fascinating stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Just like extra fuel, right? It's because we're, some of us are, you know, you need like all the data to convince you that this is a good idea to break the spell. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least yeah. I'll say that for myself, right? I, it's for me too. Brain, brainwashed to think like, oh, well, when I'm a size six, things will get better, even though I am fully aware that that's not true. But just to know like, oh, I'll actually be like stronger when I stop playing into that bullshit is actually a very powerful reason to stop. It's really powerful. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Thank you love guys. You, Thanks. I love you guys. Great. And I, I hope to see you in real life soon and hold those babies. 
Someday. Someday, someday soon. <laughs> we're, not, we're not leaving Maine, so. Someday we I'm going to have to come to you. Come to Maine. Anytime. We'd love to have you. That'd be awesome. October is a great month to come yes, to Maine. Yes, it is. So maybe I will. I love you guys so much and all the work that you're doing and for having me here because it's so important to me as you saw, heard, and witnessed. I'm uh, crying full around this, but hey. It's big. Thank showing you. up and being real, I guess. Absolutely. It's true. Thank you. Authentic. Authentic. Bye. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Bye. Ever feel like you're constantly doing things, but aren't able to carve out the time or energy for the things that really matter to you? Mike and I want to share our top five tools for making a life, not just a living. To learn what they are, go to katenorthrup.com forward slash tools. See you on the next episode.